Hey everybody, this is Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode three. This season we're reading book three, lots of threes in there, <laughs> Magician's Gambit, and today we're diving into chapter two. Uh, my name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I am a meditation guide, a teacher of esoteric stuff, and an author and a publisher. And I'm here with my podcast partner, Alicia. Hi, I'm Alicia, and I'm also an author. And I guess you call me a publisher as well at this point. I don't know if that's the term I'm going to use, but I'll go. We're definitely with that for a now. project manager project manager and we are working with authors in self-publishing so yes i wonder what your title will be project I'm manager just, comma publishing yeah i've just been telling people i'm the co-founder of turtle sea books great and then when they ask me what that is i just say oh we self-publish we work with indie authors and get their books self-published because we've had confusion where people think we're like a traditional publisher. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so I always make sure self-publishing is like one of the first things I say. Yeah. Important. And anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Yes. We were going to have a show. Back. <laughs> we were going to have a show last week, but I was on my honeymoon. And it turns out mm -hmm. I really was enjoying the honeymoon and I wanted to stay on the honeymoon. So no show. <laughs> And we forgive you for that <laughs> <Thank you>. completely. <laughs> I think everybody would agree with that decision. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, Alicia. So about what? I was just going to say, why don't you share your week okay. since you're already on your honeymoon? Okay. 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 So first day back at work today. Honeymoon is over. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, so my in in my in Polgara's cup this week for me, my potion is sugar plum mead, because that was the drink that we used to toast our marriage on our wedding day, and it's the latest brew that we've bubbled up um, downstairs in our lovely huge massive glass jars. We made sugar plum mead. We put it down last summer, and we just bottled it the day before our wedding, and it's delicious. <laughs> Wow, that sounds so good. Oh, I'd love to really... taste some homemade mead like that. So good, so good. And it's just this blushing pink color. It's really pretty. Um, yeah, so it was just all perfect. Uh, we ended up, so of course, you know, uh, physical distancing laws at the rules at the moment with Corona. We couldn't have our party that we'd planned. We couldn't have anybody at the service, but we weren't going to have anybody at the service because we were going to have the service and then later in the afternoon have the party where we would see everybody. Yeah. Um, and so we couldn't do that. And it turns out that Hanukkah's family surprised us as we came out of the town hall after we 
married, they were all waiting there with balloons and cards and they sang a celebration song and they were all like just, you know, blowing, everyone was blowing kisses and Hanukkah was a mess. It was beautiful. Yeah. That sounds so nice. Yeah. I wish I could have been there somehow just to watch it all happen. It was so lovely. And then we just came home and I cooked breakfast for us and our witnesses, our very darling dear friends, Johan and Marianne. They were our witnesses. So we all just came home and I cooked us brekkie and then they left and we spent the rest of the day listening to a playlist that I had made up. I got all of, um, like all the people that we were going to have at the party, I asked to send me five songs each and the kids as well. So all the nieces and nephews, uh, five songs each, and so I could make a playlist that we could play at the party. So I thought that would be cool because my family is all the way in Australia and, you know, I thought that would be a nice way to have, you know, their energy there at the party with me. And um, so uh, everyone sent their songs and so I spent the day, the day before the wedding, making the playlist and I was like crying <laughs> and laughing and dancing. It was so much fun. And I thought, well, that's fine. I get all of this shit out, all the tears, get it all out, right. you know, and then on the wedding day, I can just enjoy the songs. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> you just cry again. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. That's good though. That's oh, a good was, cry. You know, It was so beautiful. So that's literally what we did. Hanukkah and I, opened our cards, listened to this playlist, hung out together, just had a really relaxed kind of day on the sofa and in the garden. And and it was just really beautiful. That's so good. I know. I'm so happy for you guys. I know. Thank you. <laughs> and just to throw a little bit of magic in there. So the magical realism that is my world, Hanukkah has dug over the entire back garden did I talk about this already last you mentioned you were in the middle of doing it okay yes something with the yard yeah Yeah. so she's dug it all over because we plant a wildflower meadow we seed a wildflower meadow in our backyard instead of having grass and so she dug it all over and then the day after our wedding we threw the seed out and and sort of got bare feet and stomped the seeds into the earth and then you know, she watered the ground and it's just so symbolic, I thought, mm-hmm. um, and magical and totally appropriate. I just thought, yeah. well, there you go. If that's not magic, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that everything went so amazing. Oh, me too. Has... I apologize. There's going to be like a helicopter in the background. I don't know what they're doing out there. It's like a, a I don't know if it's a news or a search helicopter. But we oh. get both. We get that a lot. They, really? they like search for people a lot around here. Why? But Where are the people <laughs> lost? Sometimes it's an elderly person, but oh. there's a lot of like the other night there was a 10 o'clock at night. They were looking for a felon in a black oh. hoodie. I'm like, that's wonderful. Thanks nice. Yeah. I'll just great, shuttle great my time. Fuck, really? Yeah, Nathan had, uh, he was already planning to go to his friend's house and he was just getting ready to leave when that started. So he left and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got my knife in here if I need it. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he just left. 
Yeah, he left to go to his friend's house. <sighs> Are we okay with that? I mean... Should I stop I'm... speaking right now? You can just give me the signal. <laughs> it's, well, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. Treat it. Yeah. Don't use your knife so, because it's dough. That's it's a thing. I've seen it on lots and lots of cop shows. Don't use the knife because they'll take it off you and use it against you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's all I have. So unless you're trained, are you trained? Are you a secret ninja? Like I said, I I am a, a warrior from another life. And another oh. life, I was a I was a warrior, like literally. I remember, remember when I talked about that. I remember like, you with the carving knife in the kitchen and being way too comfortable with that knife. Yeah. Whenever I've, a knife is in my hand, it's just this natural sensation of I know exactly what I need to do if I had to use it. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> oh my God, I just got goosebumps. And I'm positive in another life, I lived through a time where I had to fight off men in like... Um, not armor, but you know, they used to use before armor was a thing. Like hardened leather or something. Yeah, like they were, you know, there are, I feel like it was a lifetime where I was in almost like a Native American kind of. Were you a like woman it was or our a land? Do you remember if you was, were female was, or male? I was male. I mean, <laughs> I was female because I perfectly remember the male that I was with in that time too. Uh-huh. We, were, we were together and we lived in the forest okay this is getting way off but you know <laughs> yeah, nobody to, wants to, to hear about this do they together <laughs> we were hunter gatherers and then we lived in the forest we had this place we stayed in the forest and then we also though had to defend our lives many times together and i feel like one of us was lost too soon because we didn't survive one of those battles okay and so that's where I feel like the knife stuff comes into play okay. because I feel like we literally made our own weapons and knew how to use yep. them. And all that. I love that. Anyways. I love that. See, you can <laughs> yeah. send it to me and I totally like, um, yes. I know. Absolutely true. That's why we do this because you get it. <laughs> Welcome to our lives, listeners. Yeah. Yep. So my week though, um, I really couldn't decide on what kind of drink. I don't know what I'm drinking because I, I'm just kind of here and then there and then there and then I don't know. Well, let, sit down what sort of potion water. do you need? Maybe that's the question. Lots of water because it's been getting hot. Uh, the dizziness started coming back a little bit. So I had to slow down, make sure I was drinking enough water. I started taking those herbs again that have helped and it's subsided. So I, mm-hmm. and I've been resting more in between the here and there and everywhere Yep, I yep. take a nap. I take a nap almost every day right now. Well, that's and okay. I don't, Nothing wrong with a nap. I yeah, I don't even feel bad about it because I know that I'm on track. Oh, good. And and um, everything's been good overall. Homeschool has still been challenging. Yep. But, you know. Oh, grabbing my foot. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I just slipped my shoes off me. I'm sorry, I just slipped my shoes off and went up on my toes, you know, like you do. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I'm okay now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been the publishing house that we're setting up is going really well with, mm-hmm. with that. 
I also was laying pavers down in my backyard to finally cover up that that big dirt pile that was just sitting there. Mm -hmm. It's all done. The pavers are all down. I did almost all of it. Thank you. Photos. I want photos. We want photos in the, we want photos. Yeah, I'll send some. And then what I'm doing, because there was still like a little bit of a gap between um, the pavers and then like the back area that's little rocks where the girl's plate uh, set is. There's a little bit of a strip. So my mom had the idea to make homemade planters with this brick and then you buy the wood and stain it. So I just got the planters put together. I just need to fill them with, with soil and then start putting in stuff that can withstand heat and sunshine like constantly. So this so is like, why you're golden and glowing. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of sun. So I'm probably darker than I've been, but it is. I do enjoy doing that kind of stuff. So it's been fun. Excellent. Um, I think that's also why I'm sleeping more because I'm doing more physical work over the last two weeks. Yes, good. It's excellent. Yeah. So I'll send some pictures. Yes, please. Because it's looking really great. I wish I had before pictures. I know I do somewhere, but I don't know where they are. Because it looked like it was just, it wasn't a usable space at all. And now there's this whole area that you can go out and stand, set things on. The girls could play with a ball or something. Oh, you're going to really enjoy that. Yeah, I wanted to get it done before summer really kicked in. Yeah. So that we could actually be out there. Like I just ordered the girls the good sized blow up pool so they can be out there and splash around. So um, when does school officially end and is it going to be homeschooled till the end of the year? Yeah, they just announced it from her school specifically that they're not going to be reopening. And their last day of school is June 10th. So there's still two, just a month and a bit. Yeah, we still have like seven weeks. And well, at least I've got the Google Classroom things going, and that'll just that'll hopefully... I think that's gonna make a difference. Yeah. And I talked to them this morning about this. I said, you know, because they they gripe a lot now about trying to get their work done. And I said, you know what? It's seven weeks. We've already gone about seven weeks. We're halfway. You've done it this far. You can do it till the end. We're all gonna get through it. Yeah. You know and. I just have to myself work on being a little bit like lighter through it and not take it so hard. And then I get hard on them. Yeah. And And, and, yeah, I understand, but it's so really so much more important to like, it's stressful for them too. Yeah. And so just, you know, whatever you can do to lighten the the mood like do something else together build something else outside together throw a ball together you know go for a walk and just have a chat about stuff and life yeah that's where my older one is is hard on hard for me because she doesn't want to go do any of that stuff ah she's very much dad he's an indoor person she's Uh an indoor person natalie will come out like when I was putting the pavers down, she'd be out there like she's, a, I call her butterfly because she flits everywhere. She's always walking on her tippy toes everywhere she goes. And, and she's just, she's a little fireball. Like um, I could see her, I swear in her other life that she was like a partier 
because she she remembers a story. I remember she was two years old and she remembered when she saw me drinking wine. It was like the first time she'd seen it. And she thought that uh, she's like, oh, I, I had that before. And then I fell down and my ear started bleeding or something. And the way she said it, it was like a memory. Yeah. But I, I figured it was like from another life that she'd had too much to drink and fell down and yeah. like hurt her ear or something. Yeah. <laughs> My baby sister, my baby sister used to tell stories like that when she was yeah, little, when she when was like little, two or three. They still had like that attachment yep. really strong yep. to before. And then, and then anytime, it doesn't matter what kind of music it is. It could be like just some little dinger on your computer or something. But if it goes long enough, she'll just start like move into it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the funniest thing to watch music it just like flows through her mm-hmm. system and so I'm like I bet she was somebody who likes to be out in the music with drinks having a good time <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much so yeah so me, it's good overall it's good and we're getting through very good all right so our momentous Polgaris cup <laughs> finally got to the bottom now right two weeks and two nice. big weeks like just not ordinary weeks right um uh, and so now we're going to garyan's view which is where alicia gives us a chapter summary for the chapter we're going to talk about tonight yeah i like this chapter um but they're they're back on the road so they like got off the ship right and they're on on the road again Sinidra is determined to find out more about Garion because she first goes to Aunt Pole she's asking her questions and then Mandarellen on their horses and she's talking to him about Garion and then later at the end of everything Dernick actually approaches her and talks to her about Garion he calls her out Mm-hmm. sees the games she's playing yeah but he's so in, sweet oh in between that though there is the little adventure with this baby lion jumping out mm-hmm. and trying to attack Sinidra, but mandarellen jumps in and protects her mm-hmm. yep that's it so now we go into wolf's wisdom which is where we talk about the chapter that's quite a long chapter so Let's see how we go. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is is like just Sinidra's perspective, kind of observing people again. Yeah. You know, especially in the beginning here. She's still kind of just talking about Belgrath and Polgara. And she's not really sure how she feels about Silk. Like she doesn't even want to really go near him because he seems a little bit like well, it's canon. I really, she's very insightful and it really is quite spot on. Although I do wonder, like she's, she's kind of making a catalogue of the company and as to how she can best, I don't know, uh, win them over or get into their good graces or just, you know. Yeah. Um, and so... Polgar, she she realizes that she's not just going to be able to snap her fingers and twist Polgar around one of them, mm-hmm. like she thinks she can do with Mister Wolf. 
Now, I've always thought that this was a really interesting way for her to see him because <laughs> yeah. I think that she's only seeing the surface, like the very surface of him. Right. You know, she seems to think, oh, it's an, an old man. You know, she's always been good with, with old boys. She can just snap her fingers and twist him around her little finger whenever she likes him so she can take care of that whenever she likes. Like he can't see past the surface of, you know, their relationship. Right. It's like for her, her perspective of him was kind of like what we saw in the chapter where he was flirting with all those forest nymphs. Or yeah, the, the um, um, dryads. The dryads. And, but like, obviously that's like kind of the lighter side of him when he's completely just, there's nothing for him to worry about. He's, yeah, you know, but then, uh, yeah, he does have beside him that is very deep and like life is more important than just that flimsiness that we saw in that chapter he knows that yeah and I don't know I think maybe she thinks that of him because she witnessed him do that and how the net the dryads just wrapped him around their fingers well I mean I think also it comes into that Tolnedrin's not really not being taught about sorcery and not believing in it not having it as part of their mythology or culture and so she doesn't see that part of Belgrath. Maybe. I feel like he's usually pretty like stern and focused. Not stern, but he's usually like focused and concentrating and kind of just like off in his own little yeah doings. Aloof. Aloof from the, the general doings. But it's it's still to me it wouldn't strike me as someone she could just easily wrap around her finger okay interesting i've always just found that very telling about who sinidra is right Um, because there's comments later in the chapter about her with garyan and how again she comes back to that idea of she's used to being able to just wrap the boys around her finger too yeah and, and she can't do that with gary and it's not easy no no it, no that's right so in her trying to cozy up to polgara here at the start she kind of plonks herself in it by something she says you know she sort of starts talking to you about what is sorcery just for something for a way to start the conversation and this is where we find out a little bit, you know, Tolnedrids aren't really taught about it. And Sinidra, I think, genuinely wants to know, you know, is it like, is it a trick, you know? Is it like looking over here when you're doing something else over there? And that leads into how much the sorcerers can do with their sorcery, like how powerful they are. And I find it, I've, I like how Polgara answers her. And I can remember a long time ago in the show, maybe the first season when we were first coming into the magic, when you were asking questions about how it worked and that kind of thing. I think this kind of answers that a little bit. How did, what did you think of what Polgara says? When she's saying that they haven't explored that yet? Well, um, when she says like different people are better at different things. Okay. Um, it's okay if you didn't. I just wondered if it had. No, I mean, I didn't remember. Anything. No, not really. I didn't remember questioning about that. 
okay. my memory. No, my memory that's okay. Selective uh, sometimes. But like, and and she, so yeah, they sort of different people are better at different things, and they they don't really worry about can it be done. They just if something has to be done, they they do it. Um, which I think, which I think is really interesting because the casting of a spell has a lot to do with your belief in what will happen yeah. in the outcome. It's like, it's the way they explain this, it's just like manifesting, except it's called sorcery. But really sorcery is just being connected to the source, which is also being able to manifest when you're connected to the source. So it's really all the same thing. Mm -hmm. And and like you say, then like Polgara says, they don't really what is how does she word it? They don't really question what um, needs to be done, they just do it. So Sinedra wants to know exactly how much can be done with it. And Polgara says they've never explored that particular boundary. When something has to be done, they just do it. We don't worry about whether it can be done or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll talk more about like as the as this particular thread of our conversation goes through the books, we'll talk more about it as the different characters, the different sorcerers sort of come in and we develop it. So we'll see if we can, you know, have a case okay, that part of that that'll be an interesting thread of our conversation as we yeah. as you develop the understanding of how it works here. Mm -hmm. um, and I stop stopping myself from saying things <laughs> <laughs> that you don't know yet right yeah and then so she sort of dumps herself in it then Sinedra by saying how much can, how much can Gary do he's a sorcerer <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so then Paul Gara knows exactly why she started the conversation in the first place right she wants to find out more about Gary and if he is Belgrath's grandson, what does that mean? Like, what kind of person is he if he's a sorcerer? Yeah. Is he going to grow up to be like Belgrath? <laughs> you know? Well, I think Polgara, oh, hang on. Oh, gives her a really good answer. You know, very honest, you know, too early to tell, seems to have talent, makes enough noise which is usually indicates that he has a fair amount of potential. <laughs> and so, you know, so Sinedra's like, oh, he's going to be pretty powerful then. And so uh, Polgara just, you can see Polgara's mind. Like she knows stuff that we don't know yet, that Sinedra doesn't know yet. And so she's mm -hmm. just, just having a little chuckle fest inside her own head at this moment, I think. Polgara's like, yep, probably. We're just, you know, always assuming he learns to control himself. And then Sinedra is very excited because she's like, yep, well, we'll just have to teach you. Yeah. <laughs> like she has the right to be the one to do that, <laughs> to control him, how, how to control himself. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And then Gary Ann overhears them laughing and, you know, <laughs> wants to know what's funny and they won't tell him. So he gets all. Yeah. His emotions. All been out of shape. Now, I must say, I do get a bit. <sighs> up with the the very it's very gendered very very heteronormative gendering in this particular series of books not all of Edding's books 
is completely like this. But this particular, this particular set of characters just irritate me with the girls and girls against the boys and the boys against and the boys against the girls. Like the girls are manipulative and clever and a bit devious and superior and the men are stupid and clumsy and Mm -hmm. So I just, just a bit over the top sometimes. And this is just one of those instances where maybe I'm reading too much into it. I do that. Just irritates me a bit. Because yeah, Bogaran's in it just sort of head to head and Garian's. Well, I get I get the vibe in that the the women get together and gossip and make it obvious they're talking about you, but then not want to tell you what they're saying, you know? And so like, I picked up on that part. I didn't go to the gender with it, but I did pick up on like, I mean, I guess I did a little bit. Cause I'm like, that sounds like, like a typical woman <laughs> as, as, oh. as society would say, right? Well, I guess it depends which bit of society you're talking to. But the overwhelming majority. I think stories, fantasy stories especially, have really changed in mm -hmm. that respect uh, yeah. the last few years. Like it's very, very different now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but this is my, this is, you know, old school anyway <laughs> anyway so then this is when they get dropped off they get uh -huh. off the boat Greldick. Yep. uh this is this little conversation even important between Greldick and barrack and yeah it is okay then you can take it because i didn't understand it you didn't understand it what didn't you understand i just didn't understand the importance oh okay I so i really know what they were talking about okay so Kirill Grildick's going you know back to um Cherik and um Barak just sort of says to him if you happen to see my wife say hi I'll probably come you know in the winter sometime but you know don't tell her that I know about the pregnancy she'll want to surprise me and I don't want to spoil it for her Mm -hmm. And Grill and because and Grildick is surprised because Barrack and Merrill have never got uh, you know sort of take delight in torturing each other and doing things that the other people don't person doesn't like. Grildick sort of questions him on that, and Barrack says, "Yeah, well, maybe it's time for us to put away, you know, these childish quarrels." And I could go into this. And we could have a whole episode's worth of discussion on the value placed on the boy child. And all of a sudden, that is the reason for them to reconcile because he wants to have a closer <laughs> relationship with his children. All of a sudden, because there's a boy that's arrived. Yeah. Fuck you, patriarchy. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I can separate it because it's just such a standard in like that genre mm -hmm. that I don't feel it in this life anymore. Like yeah. we're, how we live now, I don't feel like that has anything to do with anything. 
so I can just let it be in these fiction stories and say all right it's just there you know like in Game of Thrones it's always there it's so interesting the the read I'm doing this time and the read that I've done every other time it's really not been an issue for me until now until I sit down and have these conversations with you and I read the chapter and I think that really fucking bothers me this time never bothered me before and I think that part of the reason I get so riled up is because I'm a bit pissed off with myself for not recognizing (laughs) it before now you know like yeah I don't know a little bit of that but it's just the the shift of my shifted perspective is so so great like so shifted um it's fascinating i just find it fascinating mm-hmm. yep and i think part so, of well part of part of rereading a, a series or a book over and over and over again from the time you're a child is every time you read it you put yourself back into that original space like you time travel back to back then and you have that same sensation, the same feelings, and that familiarity is why we do it. You know, that's why we like to do it. And this, this read is so different to how either of us have ever read a book before. You know, this is your first time, so it's not, this is the space that you will go back to whenever you read it again, you know, as mm-hmm. reference, but, mm-hmm. um, it's very interesting. Yeah. My headset is dying. It's beeping at me. Oh, no. Do you need to plug um, something in or? No. We'll see. It's still, <laughs> it's still going. Oh, my God. It's you're still... adorable. You're pouting. Uh, I'm it just is... getting it. No, I'm starting to get that that tiredness. Yeah. That hits me okay. in the middle of the day. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. Let's, let's go. Okay. So you can have, do we have time for a nap after we finish recording? Um, maybe a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna eat. I I'm gonna eat some lunch. I put potatoes in the oven, ooh. so they'd be ready when I was done. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, make sure you check on them if you need to check on them. Otherwise, that's not. No, really nice they're to eat they're done. Oh, okay. No, they're done. Okay. I had them done before we started. Okay. So yeah. So, so the part. Sorry, the part with Graldick talking about he. Uh, this is where I get confused. Oh, okay. Go on. I'll tell him. I'll tell him I don't well, think he'll uh, like it that much. He doesn't have to like it, Bulgarath said. Okay. He just has to do it. All right. Do you have a specific question? What are they talking about? Okay. So. Oh, he says that they're tell Aneg. Yeah. So Belgarath comes and joins Greldic and Barak. And Belgarath tells Greldic to go to Valalorn. Tell King Arneg where they are and what they're doing. And then he wants Arneg to tell the other monarchs the same thing, where they are, what they're doing, and then tell him that I absolutely forbid, forbid them to go to war with the Angorax. So he is ordering Arneg to tell the other monarchs that they are absolutely not allowed to go to war. So he is order he is like ordering all of the kings and queens about. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because because he doesn't want a whole lot of stuff going on that will stop them from getting to the places they need to get to. 
Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. They get all of the the fancy words that he like created for this story into one paragraph. And I'm like, I don't remember what that oh, is. Okay, or so that. <laughs> two chick and the orb and Rakthol. Rakthol is um is a is an Angrex city. It's a place. Okay. Okay. in in Angarak in 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 oh, I'll have to have a look at the map again but it's a Murgo city mm-hmm. and it's where Ktuchik has taken the orb okay yeah and Tor Urgus is the king of the Murgos okay yeah see I don't I can't hold on to any of that stuff. Yeah. But Even that's okay. Like, it's not it's not important yet. We're not into that part yeah. of into that country. But they this is sort of like, you know how they throw out, you know mm-hmm. references. But if you wanted to look at them, if you wanted to actually understand what these places are like Rakthol and Xol Murgos, I can find your map. Okay. But we'll get there. Don't you worry. Yeah. But I like Sinead's reaction. So she overhears this whole conversation. Yeah. And she's kind of like, <laughs> this is where her assumptions about who Belgarath is come out. She's like, who is he to talk about these kings or talk to these kings, you know, uh-huh. in such a way? Um, I, You know what? I don't even think it's like, oh, who's he? It's like, oh my god, he gets to order kings around. Holy shit! Hmm. How does that work? Yeah, I guess I got the judgment because she calls him the shabby-looking old man, yeah. issuing his preemptory commands. Yeah. Um, but then this is where she's like, um, wondering about Gary and is he someday going to have the same kind of authority and I don't know <laughs> if that makes her feel like even more that she wants to be with him or less like well I I think she's entitled to Niall about yeah, she can't see it the whole she thing right like so keep... then she goes go ahead no 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 go well, this is the point where she's wondering all this about Gary and she's, she finds herself looking at him again. Like, yep. And he catches her. But it's not, she's not just looking at him. She's looking at him, this ordinary boy, trying to imagine that that's this kind of power, mm-hmm. you know, that he could wield this kind of power. And, that, you know, he just looks so ordinary. So she imagines him in a robe with a beard you know, and holding some sort of magic book in his hands. Yeah. So she's sort of got her eyes narrowed and trying to like lay this image over the top of Gary. And that's when he looks around at her. Yeah. And he's confused. <laughs> he's like, what yeah. is she looking at me like that for? <laughs> uh-huh. And then, then all of a sudden it just seemed all ridiculous. And she laughs while he's looking at her and then she <laughs> gets all offended again. <laughs> Yeah, I would too if someone kept laughing at me while they looked at me. Yeah, like I'm a little God. bit like, what is your problem? <laughs> yeah, so. So they get up to the shore, you know, get off, get on the horses. 
Mm-hmm. And she, as you say, she decides she's not going to go and ride with um, Silk because he's just going to see straight through her. cynical wise little man is what she says yes which is uh, so correct it's it's funny like I was just thinking as you were talking about the characters in this book being very stereotypical Uh and gendered and all that but then you got Silk in the mix of all this and he's the one that's got like all the grayness around him like he's just yeah there's no black and white lines he's just all like whatever is is yeah you know if he falls in love with the man he'll fall in love with the man i totally matter. i would totally buy that he yeah. is a great character i just i mean i love all the i love all the characters don't get me wrong i love yeah. all of these characters um they wouldn't irritate me so much if i didn't absolutely love them mm-hmm. right <laughs> It's like what I was talking about earlier with like when you you kind of add in a new family member to yeah. your life by choice <laughs> and then all of a sudden you annoy each other for the first time you're like hmm, hmm. that's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how uh, you know you really love each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's love if you can look get past it really quickly and Yeah, exactly. grudges, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah so, I like so, that. Yeah, that whole silk um, yeah. thing with her. So she just she, she bypasses silk and goes up to the head of the column, where Mandrillon always rides at the front of the column. Yeah, and I like this interaction because Mandrillon's still feeling really down on himself because he experienced fear for the first time that uh, you know a while back and with the mud men. Yeah. And so she's questioning him about it. She's like, why? What is that heavy sigh for? You know? And so they have a good conversation where she kind of, she can't understand why he would, he would let one moment of fear just completely knock him down like that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of tries to, I'm remembering this, right? Not creating it in my mind. <laughs> tries to no, tell no. him that, you know, it's, it's okay. You're yeah. still who you are. So I feel like I feel like uh, she's kind of flippant at the start, but realizes that he is really earnest and seriously having a serious conversation with her. And I feel like she does go into that with him. Like she goes into that space with him, that sincere kind of space, which I think is really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And then she moves into asking him now about Garion and sorcery. Yeah. And she, um, I forget where it starts. She says something. She starts about Belgrath is a sorcerer. Yeah, she starts by talking about Belgrath. And he's known Belgrath all his life. And then she's sort of, she's, she's trying to get in by degrees. Very, in a very subtle way. And Mandarin is not really a very subtle kind of dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> funny yeah Um, because yeah she's trying to like ease into the idea of talking about who who Belgrath if he's really Belgrath what that means about Gary and who he is yeah um how highly regarded is Belgrath like where is he ranked like in the scheme of noblemen and aristocrats like where is what's his rank how does you know she's trying to work out where he fits 
Yeah, and he he's basically just like he's Belgrath. That's his rank. Yeah. And it. she's like, like <laughs> confused, and and he he explains it very well. I think, you know, there's where is it? Um, there are hundreds of barons, earls by the score, and lords without number, but there's only one Belgrath. All men give way to him. Yep. And Sinu just like just loves that answer. <laughs> yeah. She beamed at him. Yes. Oh, and then Dernick comes up to tell him to look out for a particular plant that Mistress Paul wants to collect some leaves from. And Sinedra has a little internal observation. Right. With Dernick and yeah. Polgara. Yeah. It's funny that she picks up on that really clearly while Dernick is also picking up on her with, with Garion really clearly. <laughs> oh, and Aunt Paul does too, of course. But, but yeah, she notices that Dernick's, Dernick's feelings are clearly there just by the way he speaks of Polgara. Yeah, so she's got, she's got them sorted out. Uh, she's kind of getting an idea that Belgarath and Polgara are like nobody who ranks above them and Garion is related to them. So, you know, she's starting to get this idea of, and she seems to be very pleased about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She's just proud of herself for observing it. And, and she gets pissed off because Mandarallen doesn't realise that, you know, she's on, on, you know, got her sights on Garion, so to speak, and says, yeah, you know, there was this countess who, you know, wanted to <laughs> become betrothed to Garion, you know, because he's related to Belgrath and Polgara and that's pretty high status. And mm-hmm. Snurge gets all pissed off. Really? Was she beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like the jealousy just <laughs> reads, <laughs> reads on her face. Just flies so clearly. So yeah, clearly she feels nothing for Garion. Yeah. Sinedril ends sort of, he's, she's baffled then after that because she gets pissed off and says some thoughtless things about, you know, I thought you were the perfect man. And, you know, Amanda Allen goes into a bit melancholy recollections about, you know, being a coward and feeling mm-hmm. fear and being cowardly. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that that is a really interesting frame for what happens next. Mm-hmm. Like Mandarin being really sunk in this, these feelings of inadequacy and, and cowardice. And then all of a sudden, uh, a yeah. uh, teenage lion jumps out of the bushes and startles Sinedra's horse and her horse throws her and she lands on her ass in the middle of the park. <laughs> That's a great scene though. <laughs> oh, it just cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. No, I okay. paused myself because I was coughing. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. did you want to talk about this scene? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's like a good long description yep. of the scene, but it's basically like... Um, the lion comes out and at first she is like oh it's it's just a, a little lion it's okay you know and so she's kind of trying to shoo it away and you know tell it to leave and the lion though is 
it, it starts to crouch and the mm -hmm. eyes get more serious and he's focused on her. And so that's when she's kind of like, oh shit, I'm in trouble, you know? Um, but Mandarellen, she sees from the corner of his eyes, just as he tells her not to move. And then he slowly like gets down the horse and moves to her and hands her sword. And <laughs> he's like standing in front of her, shielding her from the lion, passes his sword back by the blade. And it's just a, such a beautiful visual. She grasps the sword with two hands. He lets it go and it falls down. <laughs> like she can't lift it. She can't lift it up. It's too heavy. Oh my God, I just love that scene. So when the lion pounces, he's already in the way with all his armor. So that's good. Yeah. You know? And he manages to kill the, how sad. He killed this poor baby Were you lion. sad, darling? Were you sad? Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like animals getting killed like that. Like, he does it magnificently though. It, it felt like a struggle to me. Like that the animal died in a torturous way. Yes, well, like Mandarin, like the lion leaps, Mandarin opens his arms and they sort right. of bash into each other and like chest to chest. And Mandarin's got his arms around this lion. The lion's got his claw, like paws around Mandarin's head and shoulders. Basically, Mandarin crushes him with his bare arms. Uh, and that's the part I didn't like. I just don't like that. I'm like, that's so the poor lion is just in his natural mode. Yep. You know, he's like, oh, yep. here's a meal. Let me go get it. And yeah, you don't want to be killed by a lion, but like to crush yeah. the poor thing. And he's well, not even a full grown animal yet. He didn't get to live his life. Well, humans. Yeah. So yeah. So you can see it's here, this description where he says he wriggled a bit. He wriggled and thrashed and tried to bite. His hind paws came up. Um, and with a superhuman effort, Mandarillon jerks his arms together. Yeah. The young, the young lion's body quivered. His head dropped. Yeah. Oh, like it was then the blood sweetheart. erupted from the cat's mouth. Like, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I just, that's such a cruel way to kill an animal. And I get it. He was threatening and all that. But there had to have been a way to just scare him away. I mean, Mandrillon's this huge dude. Couldn't he just have, like, done something? I think there's him? something more to it than... I think it's something more to... Like, there are deeper layers to this scene. So this, the, we set up with this feeling, these feelings of cowardice. So Mandrillon's come into this maybe with um, feelings of needing to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that this is just naturally how he would have behaved. I don't think he's affecting an attitude of anything but what he naturally is. Mm. And but then what happens after this? Like, um, it happens, and then a, a Sinedra feels this shift inside her, this profound, deep, like unlike. It, the way it's described here in the text is deep inside her, Sinedra felt a profound sort of click. The sound of two things fated from time's beginning to come together, finally meeting. Something she did not know exactly what, but something very important had happened there in that sun-dappled glade. 
And so this happened, this feeling she gets happens just after she declares in the thrill of this, the, the, the moment that the past, that the lion has died, Mandralin, you are my knight. And she, and he sinks down on his knees and, she, and there's like this bond that, and I, it seems to me that that kind of thing wouldn't happen if you just went, shoo, run away. There yeah. needs to be some kind of powerful catalyst. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it reminds me of The Witcher, how The Witcher. Which uh, and part? In the show, how mm. him and Siri, they keep telling him, the girl in the woods, she is your destiny. Yeah. You know, and he's yep, this yep. full grown man and she's a little girl. Yeah. But there's something that's deeply bonded between them because of the, uh, I guess it's because of the child's surprise. Well, we don't know yet. Season two, come on. I know. But that's what this reminds me of is a lot like that. It's like it was faded from the beginning of time, obviously, just like The Witcher and the girl on that show. And we'll find out Mm. exactly why, I'm assuming, later. Excellent comparison. I like it. Yeah, I love Witcher. <laughs> I want to do a podcast on The Witcher. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, like the TV show. Yeah, I'm re- I'm reading the book. Are you? First book. How is it? It's good. It it's it's good. It's pretty much right on with the show for the most part. Mm-hmm. I was hoping it would have a little more detail, um, where the show had me confused, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. But I have to say, like, I just, I love the bard. He's, oh, he's amazing. Is the bard as good in the book? His name in the book is Dandelion. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Dandelion. <laughs> but he's not quite, he's, he's humorous, but he's not quite as spot on as they got him in the show. They did really good in the show. There are some times so. when the show or the movie is just better than the book. Like the adaption yeah. is just so yeah. good. And I think they did that with The Witcher. I think they really, they had some good writers for that. Yeah, doesn't happen really, very often. Yeah, and the fact that it was a video game too before yeah. a movie, it's that's a lot of pressure. You know, everybody loves the books well, and the game. You know what? I don't so. know about pressure, but I think books, graphic novels, video games, that's a lot of stuff to base a show on. Yeah. Yeah, they had a whole world already built. Yeah. But um, yeah, that song, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, yeah. is on my playlist every day. <laughs> I love it you so much. Makes, <laughs> it always just makes me happy. Like, I don't care where I'm at or what I'm doing. As soon as that comes on, I stop and just sing along to the song. I was going to say, do you sing? <laughs> I do. I have it memorized and it's the best song ever written. Oh, that's excellent. And that That right there, that is going in the show notes. You are welcome for the earworm, everyone. Yeah, the song is so good. And somebody put up on Facebook and I'm part of a group for The Witcher. It's like, you know, they say you need to sing happy birthday while washing your hands. Uh-huh. Like twice. That's how long you should wash your hands. They put up a post that says, we need a different song, not the birthday song. And then it shows some uh, a graphic of people hand wash, hand wash with each word. Toss a coin to your <laughs> Witcher. And I was like... 
That is awesome. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> Every time I wash my hands. Another reason to sing it. All right. Oh, Sidetrack. So that's okay. Uh, so back to the show. Uh, yep. Yeah, so Sinedra's busy making him her knight and everyone else shows up. Mm-hmm. Gary and sort of scowling. Oh, yeah, he looks... He looks upset by that whole He's bond. He's really pissed off. Um, <laughs> and Sinedra kisses Mandarin on his forehead. and She feels very proud of him. She's very pleased with her day's work. Yeah. And, you know, they make camp. And she's just sitting there being impressed with herself. And Dernick comes over, uh, which is a surprise because Dernick has never spoken to her directly. And I think this says a lot about Dernick and how he feels responsible for Garion's well-being. Because yes. I think he approached her specifically to make sure he was looking out for Garion. Because he doesn't want Garion to be, get heartbroken if she was playing any kind of games with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, it's almost like in his mind, just like, do not even try to approach him unless you are serious about this. Oh, I like that. I've never thought of it that way is that's how the tone I got from it. He's very kind to her, of course, but yeah. that is like how I feel like he was coming internally at her of like, I'm being nice to you right now because you haven't done anything yet. It's almost like the, you know, when you first introduce the person you're dating to your parents and the, yeah. and the dad's the typical, you know, like dad who gets too overprotective of the daughter or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he observes that he says that you're playing a cruel game and she's playing dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. You know? Yeah. Come on. And, yeah. I mean, the fact that there was that click and there was a lot of truth to what happened between her and Mandrelin, I can get that. But she also made sure that she exaggerated it oh. to make Gary and jealous. Oh, totally. You know? And so she says she's not trying to hurt anybody. But he knows, he's like, I've seen what the village girls do, yeah. how they do it. <laughs> and he's just, Dernick, it just, it's so spot on. Calls her out perfectly. I see what mm-hmm. you're doing. What I see is a young girl trying everything that she knows how to catch a young man. Yeah. And so then she starts to get a little bit, she wavers and she starts getting defensive and trying to blame Gary for being stubborn and and not Dernick's doing what like, he's supposed to do. Yeah. Not behaving the right like, way. <laughs> he's just an honest boy. You know, there's nothing else to it than that. And so then that's when she breaks down. She's crying into Dernick's shoulder. Well, like, she, the reason that she breaks down completely is because she sort of said, what is it you think that's going on? And Dernick assumes that she's in love with Gary and she wants to marry him. And she's like, oh, Dernick, you don't understand. We're just so, we're too different. Even if I could do that, you know, we're just too different. And Dernick's like, well, you know, you'll fight. You'll, you'll annoy each other. You're both stubborn. But, you know, it'll be okay in the end. The best marriages I've seen have started this way. Mm-hmm. She's like, marriage? No, you don't understand, Dernick. I don't get to choose who I marry. I belong to the House of Varun. The advisors will choose who I marry. 
it'll probably be, be someone that I don't know is very rich and is a lot older than me and I'll have no say in it. Mm -hmm. I've known that my whole life. I don't get to choose who I marry. You know, maybe if I could, I would choose Gary and that would be nice. But that's never going to happen. That's when she breaks down. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that little piece. Yeah. And, and Darna kind of warms up to her at that point too, because he's like, wow, I didn't realize yeah. all that was going on. Yeah. You know, that's a lot for a girl to have to deal with. Yeah. So she's 15, so, you know. Yeah. So they have a nice little bond over that whole scene. and Yeah. That's the end of the chapter. Yep. It was a fun chapter. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. So what was your magic from the chapter that you picked out? Oh, it was Darnick's ability to see through Sinija's games. Because yeah. it's not something you would expect from Darnick. Really? But yet... I felt like, I don't know, just because of his comments about relationships in general before. Okay. I felt like he would keep his, he would just want to not even go there, especially if it was Gary and involved. And, but it's, it's true that he really is like a fatherly figure. He well, sees he, himself as that. He totally to is. And I had overlooked that. Mm-hmm. Because we always see Belgrath, you know, he's the one there. He's the one, as far as sorcery goes. Yeah. But when it comes to just real life matters. It's Dernick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my magic is that deep click of destiny that Sinedra feels when she makes Mandarel and her knight. I, I'm, I don't yeah. know that I'm ever completely satisfied with this. I feel like I've never really... Um, I don't feel like that particular thread of the story has ever taken me to, uh, has ever been woven in properly. Maybe I've just never picked it up. We'll see this time if it is, but it seems like such an important thing. And then I can never remember it really going anywhere. So, yeah, let's see if it does. And I just haven't missed it. Yeah, I would hope so because, yeah, it's described as that big moment. Yeah. So, I mean, like in a specific way, I've, I've just yeah, expected yeah, yeah. more and I've never picked it up that there's more to it than just, you know, the general connection of all of them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, real life relating. Alicia. Oh, yeah. I am. I'm embarrassed for myself about this, but I used yeah. to be. <laughs> Sounds very similar to mine. I used to be. I'm too similar to Sinidra with boys. I was. <laughs> I was too focused on boys at one point, and I just look at myself then and I'm like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" But anyways, I remember being young and doing anything to get close to a boy I liked. And this isn't a specific boy, but just in general, if I liked a boy, I would do anything to get closer. And usually they didn't notice me at all. And so I I just like Sinidra, I would try to find out as much as I possibly could, Uh thinking that somehow if I knew all I could know about them, that they would somehow 
start to notice me. <laughs> yep. And it was just a pathetic, like pathetic no way, no, way to no. operate. Be kind to your young self. Oh, I don't I like think, my young self. I think well, mine's pretty similar. So mine <laughs> is flirting that verges on open manipulation. <laughs> I see, mm. I see a lot of me in there. And at the same time that I'm seeing the me in Sinedra, I cringe and chuckle and just love that younger me because she was clueless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thought she yeah. was very clever, but really was very scared. And Right. Yeah, I was very insecure when I was young. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Prophecy speaks. You go ahead. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to ask. <laughs> Just reading the sheet. Can't decide a question. But <laughs> that's okay. I had I was trying to think of one today. I'm like, okay, what do I want? What do I want? And I I actually thought of one. So my question this week is if I continue with my Dutch language studies in their current form, what does my ability to communicate in the language five years from now look like? It's very specific. I know. <laughs> Proud of me. Yeah. Okay, the book I'm using. I just pulled a book off my shelf. It's called Swimming Home. It's by Deborah Levy. Um, just a little, little, a slim volume novel. Looks really beautiful. I'll read it one day. Okay. The spoon Joe had been polishing all through supper was now silver and shiny. When he held it up as if to inspect his hard work, Nina could see Kitty's distorted reflection floating on the back of it. Boarding school? Where were your parents then? Mitchell noticed that Laura was squirming in her chair. Whatever it was he was supposed to know about Joe had totally gone from his mind. Laura had told him, of course, but it hadn't sunk in. He was relieved Kitty Finch did not take it upon herself to answer his question and sort of wished he hadn't gone there. Well, you're more or less English then, aren't you, Joe? Joe nodded. Yes, I am. I'm nearly as English as you are. Well, I wouldn't go along all the way with that, Joe, Mitchell asserted in, this, in the tone of a convivial customs official. But as I always say to Laura, it's what we feel inside that counts. You're right, Joe agreed. Mitchell thought he was onto something because Joe was being polite for a change. So what do you feel like inside? What do you feel inside, Joe? Joe peered at the spoon in his hand as if it were a jewel or a small triumph over cloudy cutlery. I've got an FFF inside. What's that, sir? A fucking funny feeling. Mitchell, who was now drunk, slapped him on the back to confirm their new solidarity. I'll second that, Joseph, whatever your surname is. I've got an FFF right here. He tapped his head. I've got three of those. Laura shuffled her long feet under the table 
and announced she had made a trifle for pudding. It was a new recipe she had taken from Delia Smith's complete cookery course and she hoped the custard had set and the cream hadn't curdled. I'm pretty close to being English. I'm Australian. So mm -hmm. I see that. There's also something about polishing the spoon, the spoon being cloudy, and he's polishing, polishing, polishing the spoon yeah. all through supper, and it was now silver and shiny. But when he holds it up as if to inspect his hard work, the other person can see a distorted reflection floating on the back of it. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm always going to be very, very English in my speech. Mm -hmm. But five years from now, if I continue the way I'm going, I will have polished my Dutch to the best that I can and it will still be a bit distorted and it and I, I might sound a bit drunk sometimes when I'm trying to pronounce things but it'll be okay <laughs> yeah I think so I was laughing because the fact that that language came up in the reading like but it was English you know yeah it's pretty straight on but yeah I mean you may never be fluent in Dutch but it'll be enough for what you need right yeah yep it'll be as polished as i can damn we'll get it yeah <laughs> okay um I'm, I'm torn on my question because the one i would want to ask i'd have to be extremely vague because i couldn't do specifics hang on i'm going to pause the recording and help you phrase it if you like oh sure okay okay so we've thought of the question yeah, so I'm asking, what does my family situation look like in the near future? I'm typing it as I say it. Yep. And I'm using The Maze Runner by James Dashner because it's the first book I grabbed. Okay. So I'm sorry. Do we do we even need to? That's Oh, the maze runner. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> let's let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see what else we get. Um, for the second time that day, Thomas was shocked into silence. Well, come on, Newt said to Thomas as he grabbed his arm. No way, I'm going with you. Thomas followed him with chuck right behind as they left the council room and went down the hall toward a narrow spiraling staircase that he hadn't noticed before newt took the first step then gave chuck a cold glare you stay for once chuck simply nodded and said nothing thomas figured that something about albie's behavior had the kids nerves on edge Lighten up, Thomas said to Chuck as Newt headed up the staircase. They just elected me a runner, so you're buddies with a stud now. He was trying to make a joke, trying to deny that he was terrified to see Albie. What if he made accusations like Ben had, or worse? 
Uh-huh. Um, I guess so. I think I'll stop there. Okay. So what does my family situation look like in the near future? It sounds like I didn't want to say too much <laughs> about what it sounds, sounds like. Sounds like someone's staying there. Mm-hmm. And someone's going up the stairs. Yeah. Right. So that's an idea. An idea. <laughs> the thing about this is don't ask the question if you don't really want the answer. I know. And on the same token, ask the question as many times as you need to. Mm-hmm. And hear the answer in as many different ways as you need to to get all of your perspectives. Yeah. Like, you know, to be comfortable. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it's funny you say that because I used to beat myself up when I had to do that, when I would have to ask it many times for other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was always the problem is I was beating myself up for just wanting to ask it again. And there's really no problem to ask again. No, the whole point of asking these kinds of questions is to give us space and different ways of looking at the thing that's puzzling us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry it's kind of vague, but I couldn't think of any other question that would be actually something I needed to know. So yeah, look, it's totally okay. Yeah. The people who are at this episode of the show <laughs> in season three they may just have some clue. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Sure so. so, I have a feeling that I have been missing the prediction for the next chapter. I've been skipping it. Have I been skipping it? I think we did on one episode, but otherwise I don't. I think we've okay. been doing it. Prediction for the next chapter, Alicia. I put Gary Ann and Sinidra will have an encounter of some kind. All this tension oh. that's building. Uh, Mandarellen will have a new confidence about himself. Maybe we'll see some more of that coming back. And Wolf and Poll will discuss more why why their path has been redirected, like more about what's really, what is the story behind it all? Where they're heading now, you mean? to the Yeah. Bible? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and last week, I'm not, I don't know that we read it, but last week on the sheet, um, Alicia said, I'm kind of clueless on this one. They're on a ship. I think they will be on the ship and continue to interact with one another. Maybe come, maybe some juicy info will come out. Well, yes, 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 yes. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. So hashtag. Poor lion. That's what I was going to say. You picked up my thought. I did. (laughs) Okay. So. (laughs) So darling listeners, we've come to the end of the show and the look on the expression on Alicia's face is thank Christ for that. She's looking a bit weary and like she needs to go have her nap so yeah I'm a little thank tired. you for staying with us we love having you here you will find all the extended show notes and links to all the things 
on our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. So head over there and check it out. Sign up to our mailing list. While you're there, sometimes I send out special little emails just for our little community. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can leave us a voice message. And there'll be a link in the show notes for that as well. The hashtag for this episode is poor lion. Hashtag poor lion. So if you want to throw that around on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Belgariad and Beyond. And you can also email Belgariad and Beyond at gmail.com with all your questions and comments. And we are indie artists. This is an independently produced show with no advertising. And the best way for you to support us is if you love this show is to become a patron. And you can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash Belgariad and beyond. And that's it. Yeah, that's it for this episode. It was good to get back to it. I missed it last week. Yeah. But me too. Yeah. It's funny how yeah, cool. you don't, as it's happening and you're missing it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's cool. But then when you come back, it's like, oh, man, I realized that that was missing last week. <laughs> yeah, it's it's become such a part, an important part of my life, like part of my week. Yeah, me too. I've literally like told people I'm not available on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. That's only like, I'll do whatever work I can before or after it, but it's just for me to work. I'm not working with anyone yep. else. Yeah. It's just an amazing thing that we have here. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Keep breathing, Alicia. Keep breathing. I am. I love you. Love you too. Yeah. Okay. Be in all your ears again next week, my darlings. Thank you for being here with us. Mm-hmm.